Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where we have a mega episode for you. It's like old school uh, podcasting for us, where we do kind of a recap and a preview. But the reason it works so well this time is because it's the same opponent at the same field one week apart. How's that even possible? It's the playoffs, baby. We made it. We missed it last year. And uh, we're going to just enjoy it as much as we can. But before we even talk about that matchup, we got to get into kind of some of the news of the week with Roquan Smith being signed long term, five years, $100 million, uh, with 45 guaranteed and 60 million in total guarantees on the contract. And guess, today I read up on all the contract, like <laughs> all the ways this verbiage matters, like totally guaranteed versus guarantees. And then I learned all about like everything that one can do in a contract. And I'm like pretty hyped about it. So now I feel like I'm like a low key contract expert. Because <laughs> I wanted to like just know this stuff because I feel like it's not going to change for a while, you know. Uh, there's a really good article out there. I can maybe link it in the show notes because uh, I feel like it covered basically everything and it gave you even examples from like the modern era. So good times. But uh, yeah, guys, how do you feel about this deal? My initial reaction, uh, I mean, I just the deal itself. I don't want to talk about, but like resigning Roquan in general, love it, love the move. Yeah, I mean, he's just been a really, really great player. Um, I, I admit the first couple of weeks, I think, didn't notice him as much. But the last couple of weeks, I think he's just had a tremendous impact. And uh, just from like a, a, a defensive leader, man, just we we really just needed somebody on this team to kind of just like set the I, – I hate to say it, but like we needed, we needed a Ray. Like, I don't know. Defense just doesn't feel like – doesn't feel like a Ravens defense unless you have that like leader in the locker room. And I think Roquan was just such a natural fit, man. He just came in right away. Everyone kind of had the respect for him. And uh, he's he's got that amount of swagger. That's great. I loved his uh, <laughs> I loved his quote. I guess somebody asked him about some of the uh, the stuff that the Bengals were talking about last week. They seemed a little uh, slighted by some of our play. And Roquan was just like, we'll see you next Sunday. Um, I, I just... I love that little bit of pettiness, but like swagger and just, uh, he's a guy who's got his head on straight. Um, love it for our defense. Uh, I think it's going to be a great fit. Yeah. When we're talking about Roquan, uh, in a vacuum, what he brings to this team, um, th- there is a lot to like, uh, this guy was a top 10 pick in 2018. He's lived up to it. He's a premier defensive player in the NFL right now. And you look at what he does on the defensive field he does a lot of things that we have been waiting for Ravens linebackers to do for a while the guy's a sure tackler how much over the past couple seasons have we complained about missed tackles sure he does miss some every now and again but it's at a pretty low rate I don't have the numbers but you can just watch the guy he he fundamentally sound tackler Um, and he doesn't just tackle guys like more often than not particularly in the run game He's been really important on short yardage situations because when when runners get to him, unless they're like a really large back, like a, a Derrick Henry or Najee Harris type, um, they're paralyzed. Like he just wraps them up and he's not getting moved. It, this isn't like, you know, if, if Patrick Queen wraps him up or, and gets, you know, they still spin around for a yard or two. That He wraps them up and slams them to the ground. He's a, a, a massive brick wall in that sense i i have seen some commentary of why are we giving this much to a guy who's who's just a run defender in a passing league and you know it, it's uh, others have pointed out already um on twitter and in other spaces that um that that's really selling short his full game and you know you just turn on the film there's a lot of things that he does in the passing defense that are really beneficial to this team um he's been a heat seeker on seeking out screens and and he's definitely blown up a a good amount of those um in his time here again something that this defense has struggled with and has struggled to find players who can do that um he he has had several instances where he has neutralized a quarterback taking the check down route from the running back um of course yes there are going to be some times he got beat he got beat at an incredibly inopportune time against Pittsburgh, obviously. The Najee Harris just had the the right angle there. There was a little bit, if you go into, the, into how that play was set up, too, that kind of the Steelers did to kind of get Roquan slightly out of position, too. And I think they learned from earlier in the game because they did try that play earlier, and, and Roquan defended the ball perfectly at the one-yard line. 
So yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, and oh, before I forget, like Chris was saying, leadership. How we talked about earlier this year, where, who's the leader on this team? And and this guy's come in right away, and he's been a leader for this uh, this defense. So in that vacuum, there are some th- thing, drawbacks to this deal. I want to talk about, but. I think in a vacuum, all those things are positives for Roquan, and that's all the things you have going in the favor of this deal. And and quite honestly, it's a lot. Like that's a lot, and at that level, it does look good um, and and is exciting for the future. Uh, but like with everything in the modern NFL and the salary cap and just uh, you know the space the Ravens find, there's some other things to consider with here. But yeah, there's certainly I mean Roquan Smith. Uh, is deserving of that money. He's deserving of a place on this Ravens defense. I think you should talk about the negatives, Peter. What are you worried about? Sure, yeah. And I want to caveat here that basically when I say that, you know, I messaged you guys in the chat that I said that I wasn't in love with the deal. And I think sometimes in, in our, you know, our society where we continue to think think of binaries, like saying I, I wasn't in love with the deal doesn't mean that I hate it. It just means that I've got some, you know, some things I need to work out with how it, I'm going to feel about this long term. And it's really just going to depend what the Ravens do this offseason. Because really, you know, we've talked about it before on this podcast several times. How valuable is an interior linebacker in today's NFL? And of course, there's always the argument of star player at a, a devalued position. We talk about that with Dobbins all the time. Dobbins, obviously, you know, running back, very replaceable player in this league. But Dobbins is a playmaker that kind of elevates, you know, Dobbins from that category of a replaceable position group. But at the same time, like you look at Dobbins in the Ravens offense since he's come back, while he's done really well for himself, has that really changed the trajectory of the offense? Not terribly much. They're still averaging one touchdown a game and still having a difficult time putting team defenses away. And I look at Roquan and what's really unfortunate for this is like, we don't have a lot of tape of Roquan going against elite offenses. So I just question whether or not this is the right time to make this type of move for this type of of player. Um in the offseason I'd love to delve into this more, but just for now like you know we look at what, what Roquan Smith has done with the Ravens. Unfortunately for you know for evaluation purposes, he came to this team during an extremely cupcake schedule for the Ravens defense. Since Roquan's come to the Ravens, they played three offenses that are in the top have finished the season in the top ten uh, in yardage. That would be Jacksonville, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. The Ravens lost all three of those games and av- and gave up an average of twenty two point six seven points per game in those games. You know that's a pretty that's only one stat. I agree. Um, again, <laughs> more time we could go way deeper into this, but. Six games against teams in the bottom 16 in offense. Ravens went 5-1. and one. Defense only surrendered 10.67 points per game. And, you know, when we, when we got him, we talked about how he was the cherry on top with this defense, that he was the final missing piece. And I think that is really where I get concerned with this signing is because it, when uh, it initially felt like this was a final, this was a move that we we're just going to, like, pick this guy up to try and make it to the Super Bowl. We know that Bateman's beat up, but we know that anytime you got Lamar back, they're healthy because Lamar was healthy at the time. You know, you got a shot at the Super Bowl. But I, I just, I, what concerns me is just what does this preclude the Ravens from doing down the line? Because we know that cornerback is thin. Maybe Kyle Fuller comes back next year and, and he's back to his the old self that he was with with the Bears, just like Roquan before this. And Stevens solidifies his number two cornerback. Marlins proved that last year was a mirage, that he's actually, you know, still all pro. Then you're fine, but we're still rolling the dice a little bit there. We, the Ravens, we, we can't play the, the just, you know, try and, and scrape by with a, a wide receiver corp that is worthy of a team fighting for a lot for a top 10 pick uh, anymore. We've tried that too much. They need to go all in. And with, especially with Bateman Duvernay's health up in the air to start the season, this off season, they need to sign to, they need to bring in two guys who can step in at day one. I don't know if those guys are going to be, you know, in the first or second round of the draft, they're going to be acquired through trade through free agency, but that's something they need to address. Um, 
And we could go on on other things. And I don't want to go too much onto that because I think that's more off-season topics. But that's really where I'm at right now is I just question how this will impact what the Ravens need to do to get to the next level. And admittedly, there's a lot of ways the Ravens could go. It's just we, we've seen with the Ravens, there's only so many moves they're going to make. So with this already being one of the ones uh, for next season, it just, it, I don't know. I, I need to see more of what the Ravens master plan is to feel the most comfortable with this move. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, there is. I wanted, no, I, 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 I apologize for monologuing. <laughs> that, are you you're talking to me? Like I monologue all the time, Peter. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but a couple things. Uh, one, um, I do think uh, there, there's a, a couple signs, I guess, at least that I kind of take away from the Ravens here. Number one is, um, uh, frankly, I think this is kind of admitting that it was probably a mistake to let Mosley walk. Um, actually looking back I mean he signed a five year $85 million contract so Roquan was getting north money and it makes sense I mean he's signed that contract in 2019 it's been a couple of years so you know it makes sense the cap goes up every contracts go up that makes sense for what it's worth like I given kind of that uh, increase like I, I think it's reasonable I guess for Roquan to get that money you know it's it's a little bit hard to say like with recency bias like I, I do feel Roquan is a really really good player um he could be better than Mosley. I mean, Mosley's kind of had a, you know, he's had some injury years and his play is like, it's it's still good. Maybe it's not as good as he wasn't with the Ravens, but if he was here, maybe things would be different. I don't know. But I think that's the first thing is basically just the Ravens really needed somebody in their defense uh, who playing at a high level in that position. They found Roquan. He is has been playing extremely well in that position. Um, so I think it makes sense in terms of like, Finding just star players to build a defense around, I, I think it was a good choice. Um, but but I think, you know, to that end, like, the point about the offense and, and how that's going to be constructed next year, totally agree. It's got to happen. I think, you know, what, you know, again, we can talk more about this in the offseason, but the big thing for me is that I feel like, I think DaCosta takes a little too many risks in different position groups. We found it two years ago with the offensive line, this year with wide receiver. I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there are just holes in the roster that maybe we just need to have something a little bit more well-rounded because it seems like every like quote unquote hole becomes exposed at least over the last two years. And it's kind of, you know, wrecked our season a little bit. So I I think from like a roster construction, absolutely. Like we need to find, you know, improvements to the offense next year, but from a defensive perspective, I think, you know, just frankly, like, you know, Roquan's going to get this money. I think that just means that some of the star players that we've had on the defense the last couple of years, I think it's just a signal that they're probably not going to be back next year, right? Um, I think Marlon's going to be here. I think he's, you know, the star player built around. I think Roquan's going to be the next one. And uh, Marcus Williams as well. So you've kind of got the different levels of the defense. You're going to have to figure out, you know, who here this year is it's just not going to be back. I think, you know, Peters, I think Clark, those are some names, some guys on the defensive line, Calais. We'll just have to see where the numbers go, but I think that's going to be the reality of just the the money's going to shift around a little bit and the Ravens are going to have to fill them back with, you know, draft picks and other, you know, low pickups uh, on the defense. But I think they can do it. I think especially with drafting, like Kyle Hamilton, I think was a great fit, uh, great pickup. I think we're going to rely more on him and, and young players like that uh, moving forward next couple of years. So um, at least the defense, I think it could be done. Um but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're totally right, Peter. I think it's a great point, though, around, like, <laughs> what are the Ravens going to do, especially on offense next year? Because, yeah, I, I'm i with you. Like, I think most of us are with you. Like, it's just been a little bit disappointing, and we'll just have to see where it goes from there. I think, like, we'll definitely talk about it in the offseason with the roster construction question. It's so hard to build a roster. I think we're a little too Raven-centric in the fact that I would say, honestly, every team has holes, and it really just comes down to where those injuries hit. I would say the biggest thing you could say as a counter argument to that is we have found time and time again, we can find good replacements at linebacker if someone gets injured in undrafted free agency off the street. I mean, Josh Ross was turning heads and people think that he might be the replacement for Queen if we were able to trade him or something and he'll play well. And that could be completely true. And guess what? He's making nothing, (laughs) you know? So I can see that argument 
But my number one thing about why I'm I'm kind of for this deal and what kind of tipped me over the edge is when you look about these like stud players, these players that really make differences, I just want more of them. And I'm looking at what 20 million gets you and wide receivers. And like the only name I like around that number and average, which is like also a hard way to rate a contract. But if, if, we, if that's kind of the best we have without really like digging super deep into how all these contracts are structured. Like I like Keenan Allen. <laughs> I like Godwin, but that's about it. Like slightly under that you're getting into guys who just, I feel like are good wide receivers, but they're not great and they're not going to satisfy the appetite of a lot of Ravens fans. I think, I think when you really think about these top wide receivers, they're making more, they're making like 24, 25. And now like granted, like you could save some of that money and put it towards the wide receiver. And that's totally valid. If you're trying to do that, I guess that's okay. But I, I just feel like football is so synergistic and that devalued positions I, I i kind of like it it kind of makes me sad because i think the big thing that roquan adds is his ability and pass coverage makes our corners less important because how many times we've we seen these like value linebackers screw that part up that's usually the part you don't get for free and even if the corner is playing great leverage they're just going to get beat because of the misassignment there Having a guy that cleans that up, you don't even need the best corner play anymore to keep it, you know, a, a guarded pass. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. And I just think, well, you also talk about the leadership qualities he has. He's a guy you want in the building. And it would have been a real shame to see him go. And honestly, when I look at some of the guys that are going to get cut, you know, maybe maybe Peters, Clark, Calais, like none of these guys make me excited to move on from. But then you look at the age. He's 25. I think he's in his prime. He has a lot of good years ahead of him. It's not like you're signing a 29-year-old. I think it's going to be all right for the Ravens, and it'll work out, and we can still get the wide receiver. We got a lot of cap flexibility, guys. Like We can still get that guy. It's okay. So with that, we're going to start talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, and we can't do that on this show unless we have our main guy, Justin. Uh, hey guys, uh, it's it's fun to be back for Deja Vu week. I don't really have like a better word uh, to call it. It It's really weird because uh, we're still sitting here saying, I'm assuming we're going to say who's going to be the quarterback for the Ravens this week. And that was that was the theme last year and earlier this week. Uh, so, so fun times, right? <laughs> well, Lamar broke his silence about an hour yeah. or two ago. Uh, maybe I'll just read the tweet directly. Oh, yeah, I saw a headline, but I didn't read into it. So he's yeah. is he for sure out then? Is is that breaking news? I don't think he's actually for sure out. I think he's just explaining his case, but I would say he's probably for sure out. He just basically was saying, um, give an update on the recovery process. He had a grade two, borderline grade three PCL strain. There's still inflammation around his knee and his knee's unstable. He's in good spirits and he's continuing to do treatment. And he wished he could be out there with his guys more than anything, but I can't give it 100% of myself to my guys and my fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. You know, we've heard a lot of rumors and rumblings. I've heard that he really wants to play with the brace, and the doctors are basically telling him no, no, no. You know, and I think it's a really difficult problem for the Ravens. And my number one takeaway with the Lamar situation is this. If his knee is in an unstable state such that it will potentially jeopardize the 2023 season, he should not play. If he can play safely on it and he might get injured in a different way that jeopardizes the 2023 season, fair enough, that's playing football. But if it's going to jeopardize the season, I don't think it's worth it because you just have to deal. Like the playoffs are so hard. <laughs> you have to beat Cincinnati, which is a good team, and then go to Kansas City and beat them, who's a good team, and then maybe have to go play Buffalo. And if, if you're not Buffalo, you're playing somebody else who's a good team because they beat Buffalo. And then you have to go to the Super Bowl and beat like you know the Eagles or San Francisco, who's also a good team. <laughs> and all of this is on the quarterback that is like hobbling along, <laughs> in theory. Like it's just so hard to win the Super Bowl that I don't want to like risk it in a way and I, I i love lamar i would love to see him out there more than anything you have no idea how much i want to watch him play but it's just i think it might be for the best interest of the team and lamar if he sits it out if that's the case and it sounds like that's probably the case yeah uh the, the super bowl being hard that's what i tell everyone when they ask if i'm sad that the Bengals lost last year 
I'm like, you know, yeah, I wanted them to win, but like the Chiefs have hosted the AFC Championship here in town four years in a row, and they have one Super Bowl victory out of it. And that's like as good as you can be. It's just there's a lot of luck involved when you get to the postseason. And I, I see echoes of Robert Griffin trying to play through that playoff game his rookie year, and his knee just gave out. And I think that probably did in his career uh, in a way. He was never really the same. And so for Lamar, I know he wants to play. I've seen him play. He's good. And you know, I, even thinking about just these playoffs, it's like, think beyond that. Like That could put your whole career in jeopardy and you just turn down $250 million. And if, if they're still swelling three, four days before the game, like, come on, like, and that's not just cause I don't, I would rather play against Anthony Brown again. Like, <laughs> like I, I like to win, but I also like to win legitimately, but you don't, I don't want to win because Lamar's knee buckled in the middle of a play. And that was, that was that. Yeah, knee injuries is like there's very few injuries that are worse for an athlete, particularly one like Lamar, whose game it, so much of it is based on on agility and and speed and what he does with the football while he's scrambling, while he's running, obviously, and and just sometimes they take a while to heal. I mean, I know they're saying it's a, it's a sprain, but sometimes, especially when you're dealing with the knee, I'm not an expert in in you know, physical therapy or, or anything like that. But I know enough to know that, that knee injuries, it, it's not something you can just rub mud on and, and go on. Um, it's, I made the mistake. I try not to do this these days, but of, of listening to, um, some of the, you know, the corporate sports, uh, talk shows, like your, your first take your FX stuff, good morning football, whatever. Um, while I was working today and, it's crazy some of the takes they'll put on there and you know you know they just feed the producer just feed them whatever it's just for for you know people will, will watch it but still it's just like you had people questioning oh is Lamar doing this he's holding out for his contract which everything we know about Lamar is is that he's he's always tried to plea on the field as much as he can but then there was the argument of like oh wait a second this is football guys at the end of the year guys are are going out there with all these injuries and you know they're like Guys are always playing through, but it's not. It's not like he's playing through a shoulder injury. It's not like he's playing through an ankle. He twisted like a, a sprain there in the knee in the PCL. Or it's that's a big injury. And Justin, I think you're 100 percent correct. Like he would risk ruining his career going out there, and and that thing is not ready to plant. Is not ready to take hits. So it's incredibly painful to see two years in a row this guy um, go down in the back quarter of the year and just not be able to, and that really killed the Ravens playoffs uh, hopes. I think the Ravens would have made the playoffs last year. If, if he had been healthy, they would have at least won two of those games in that lost streak. And obviously they made the playoffs this year, but this might, his injury might cap what they're able to do. So we'll see. I, I'm not of the camp who believes that this is that we've seen the last of Lamar in a Ravens jersey. I fully expect him and the Ravens to work out a long-term deal in the offseason. Um, I have no information that anyone else doesn't have, but just from what I can tell, I think both sides want to make the deal happen. Uh, but yeah, I, we're just going to have to uh, live with Huntley and just see how far he can take this team. Should be interesting. Yeah, and I've been there uh, in 2015. The Bengals went 12 and four, and then had to start AJ McCarron in the playoffs because Andy mm-hmm. Dalton broke his thumb. Yeah, and or how about like, when you guys watched uh, Carson Palmer's knee get destroyed uh, in the wild yeah. card? That was oh, yeah. painful memory. And that's that's yeah. an Ill, that's an illegal hit now. That would that wasn't flagged right, back yeah. then. <laughs> but I, that's one of the reasons it's going low is illegal now. And that's part of football. I I I can't get too mad at it. It's every, every team has had something like that. Uh, just sucks that for you guys, it's, it's kind of two years in a row now, but yep. well, you've got, you've got some Super Bowl trophies and I don't. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> true. Yeah. you know, it was the 10th anniversary of the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. you know, the almost exact, you know, exactly, you know, they, they're playing the playoffs in, in 13 and now it's 23. And I was just like loving the parallels of like, hopefully, you know, He's able to suit up like Ray did last ride, not the actual last ride for him, but you know what I mean? Like suit up and like, unfortunately we have to 
beat a team that no one expects us to beat early instead of in the divisional round, <laughs> you know, but um, I just feel like it'd been so cool, but you know what? It seems like Snoop is going to be the quarterback this week and not Anthony Brown. He started throwing today after not throwing yesterday and not throwing like all last week. I don't know if I love that. You know, we saw a really shaky start from Anthony Brown, but I think he brought a lot to the offense and the ability to throw down the field that we just haven't seen Huntley try to do. I don't know if it's schemed out or what. And we also saw a lot less of the QB runs because they don't think Brown's the one. And I still think Huntley's not the one either, so I want them to take it out of the playbook still. I don't know which quarterback I really want to see. I understand and value the fact that Huntley's been there a lot more. He has a lot more game experience than Brown but I kind of feel like our best chances with Brown and I'm a little disappointed by the upward trajectory of Huntley. I really just, I just don't know who gives us the best chance. I will say this game, if the Ravens want to win it, and I'm sure they do is to make the quarterback a non issue. I think they really need to lean into the run game with the running backs and try to spam easy buttons as much as they can and make, let your playmakers make plays and that's my biggest thing. And your playmaker is not the quarterback. So the faster you can get out of their hands, maybe the better. So does Gus Edwards, is he still in concussion protocol? You know, it's a really good question. He practiced today with the guardian cap in a limited capacity. Um, I don't know if that's a part of the protocol at all. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely sounds like they're taking precautions, but I don't think you can practice unless you're out of the protocol. So I'm guessing he's okay. And they're just taking precautions. Well, if, if I were Harbaugh or, or Greg Roman, it might be time to think about like a two quarterback package, try the saints maneuver, <laughs> you know, or go with just the hot hand, like a running back, see who's doing good. So that's the only, I, I, cause you know, that's the problem with playing a division rival is everything gets seen. Even, you know, last week, I wouldn't say you guys put everything out there to be seen, but I've never seen the Ravens try something like that before, so it would catch the Bengals off guard. I'm definitely thinking that whoever starts doesn't mean they're necessarily going to end the game, and that goes in either direction. I, I think, Yeah, I think that definitely is on the table. I think Huntley will have an extremely short leash. Um, that being said, I really don't think the Ravens have any shot if Anthony Brown plays, I don't know how much of a shot they have with Huntley, but I, I just don't want to put a, a undrafted rookie in that situation. Um, again, I, I like we said, both teams likely held back last week, and and if Brown played as he did last week while, with the Bengals holding back, I mean, I can't imagine it going much better um, when under the lights in a playoff game. Um, and there's some things Brown did well. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, certainly he got the offense moving sometimes. Uh, he made uh, what what I thought should have been a, a touchdown pass to Demarcus Robinson um, it, on the third down after that uh, Ojabo strip sack that got the Ravens the ball in the, in the red zone. The problem was it was slightly behind Robinson, and again, as as much as Robinson has stepped up and and you know filled in wide receiver one shoes somewhat adequately, <laughs> uh, we know that the guy he he just can't make a contested catch. Uh, I think if you're throwing that to like I don't know, well, if you throw it to Andrews, like he's he makes that catch. Uh, I think the ball was thrown in a, a position where someone who has experience at the NFL level in making the catch in traffic could have made that catch. Um, but I just don't know if, if I mean, the guy just played his, had his first NFL start last week in a semi, in a pretty much meaningless game. And then you're going to throw him right back out there against the same team that already feels defensive, feels confident against him in a, in a playoff matchup on the road in prime time. I, I don't know. I think, I think we're better off with the trying to have Huntley just, just, do enough to get by and hope that we just are are able to just catch fire with the run game. I, I unfortunately think that's the best case scenario. I think the only thing I'll add is that um, it's way better to have Huntley and Brown than Brown and Hundley, Brett Hundley. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yes. I like, yeah, I mean, you know, complaints about Huntley aside, I think, um, you know, I don't want QB four. I don't want QB five anywhere near uh, the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, you roll with those guys. Um, you know, if we have to lead 
if we have to lean on Brown for whatever reason, I, I feel I feel pretty confident. I think he made some mistakes early. Um, I do think he's going to improve, but uh, yeah, just roll with Huntley. You should QB two. Um, Ravens will figure it out. I think that you know the the good thing uh, at least going into this game. Dobbins going to be healthy. Uh, he's going to be in here. Uh, Andrews as well. Uh, both those guys didn't play uh, last Sunday. So, um, you know, you've got some more weapons here for those guys to use. Um, Huntley and Andrews, um, at least in 2021, had a good rapport. They played really well. Andrews had some of his best uh, stretch of games in his career with Huntley last year. So, yeah, and also I think even before, um, you know, a couple games ago, I think Andrews had a pretty good, uh, you know, he was trending up. So I do think there's that. I think um, – you know, it'll be a little bit better of a situation for the Ravens going into this week, regardless of who plays quarterback. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, obviously I, I'm i with you guys. I wish Lamar was out there too, but <laughs> you can't help it at this point uh, with his injury. So, um, you know, you got to move forward with what you got. Yeah, I definitely want to also point out that Zeitler will be playing this week. And I think that really helps out as well. He's obviously one of the better guards in the league. And that will give uh, the offense with the extra weapons of El Toro and Andrews, uh, you know, just a little bit more juice. And I think the other thing I want to point out too, when you talk about the Ravens, I really hope, I hope it's in Greg Roman's like ability, so to speak. I'm hoping this is the week, man. It's the playoffs, man. Let's uh, start breaking out some, some new ideas. And one of the things I really would like to see, we talked about it yesterday on Jason's stream is I want to see a little bit more athleticism on the field. You know, when we had Mark Andrews out, we were using a lot more of likely, obviously. He had a great game. Seems like when that guy gets opportunities, he he plays well. And we also saw more Kolar, and he had some flashes. And all the respect to Josh Oliver and what he's been able to do with his career and his ability to contribute with um, blocking and and even pass catching to a degree. But I think both of those players are, are more dynamic on neutral downs. And I provide enough in blocking that I would like to see more of them because I think it's more threatening than having Oliver run routes. Um, and if you're going to already have one unathletic guy with Ricard out there, I don't think you can afford to have two with how like lack of explosion <laughs> this team really is. So that's one thing I'm trying to I'm hoping to see more of. I'm OK if we keep more 22 and 12 personnel. That's fine. But I think it needs to be with um, Likely and Kohler, not Oliver. I will say um, the the Ravens. It, I, I do like the t- the matchup they have with the tight end um, into this game. We'll have to see if they're able to exploit it. But um, again, like I was saying, Likely and Kolar had great games receiving uh, against the Bengals this past week. Likely, did he eclipse a hundred yards? He came pretty darn close. If he did, I didn't. believe he did. Yes. And then uh, Kolar, I mean, his first NFL action, uh, four catches on six targets, 49 yards, pretty solid. Um, there were at times where he looked like he was lumbering a little bit, but I think he, he knows how to find himself in space and it was knows how to move and use his body after the catch. So, yeah, that's, that's a spot. And I, I, I do want to correct something I said last episode. I said that the Bengals had done a pretty decent job of keeping Mark Andrews in check um, in the game earlier last year. Brain fart there by me. Mark Andrews actually had one of his best games of the year earlier this year against the Bengals. Uh, eight catches on 10 targets for 89 yards and a touchdown. Um, sure, he had some bigger games last year that, that kind of made that one look more pedestrian. But as far as this season goes, that was actually one of his best outputs of the season. Look, find a way to get the running game working, do play action, uh, do rollouts where... Huntley's first look is the tight end. Get some high percentage throws in there to throw the Bengals off a little bit and get Huntley's confidence going. It seems like a good plan. Justin, I'm wondering, what kind of things do you think the uh, Bengals held back on offense? I think it was with two plays, maybe as an exception, going for like anything big. Um, just looking at the play-by-play of the, the first few series, it was like, three yards, four yards, six yards, runs, passes, everything short, very conservative going for the, the playmaking. Um, I, I think what we didn't see, um, you know, Mixon, he played the first three quarters. He didn't, he didn't play the very last quarter. But um, I, I think what we'll see is more Joe Mixon gadget plays 
trying to get him out there as the single back, um, you know, maybe even like an air raid offense. Um, but he's he's been having a down year with with the exception of the game against the the Panthers. But it, I think they're really going to try and and lean on him to open up the passing game, which they know they need to do that. They just don't always get that going. I was shocked to hear that uh, the rushing touchdown he had uh, in the game was his first since that explosion against Carolina. I found that really surprising. (laughs) Yeah. The Mixon season has been really weird. Um, I feel like he just had those couple huge games and otherwise it was a real bumpy ride. The thing I'm most worried about when I look at the Bengals and what they might be able to do on offense is I think they could use more 10 personnel to force out more of our corners and that could be a problem. Now, granted, we saw some really great play from Worley physical. um, Just like, I think he proved that he deserves attention from some NFL team, if not the Ravens, as far as a depth piece. And we know we need more corners. (laughs) So I think that's good. The good news is that I have very high confidence that Marcus Peters will make his return, and I'm hoping he'll be able to play well. Uh, Not so sure about Brandon Stevens. He got ill right before the game he was supposed to play, and then severely ill, if I'm not mistaken. He was Mm -hmm. hospitalized, right? Correct. Yeah, he it was an acute illness. He they haven't shared what it is, and they said you know if he wants to share, then he'll share. But he's not practiced the last two days, so definitely concerning about his health. Hopefully, he you know gets uh better and it sounds like it's never been anything particularly threatening it just you know a thing that popped up and you know he might not be able to play so it looks like to me even if juice man plays Worley, i think still gonna still have to go out there and pepe is gonna have to go out there as well and contribute alongside of uh hamilton and you know i know that our Irwin guy had some flashes particularly when chase was out so they definitely have the people to roll out in 10 personnel but um we'll see if they try to do that the other big thing too is my understanding from Mike Sands is that they kind of rolled out the same offense that they played earlier in the year. So when the Ravens saw them back in week five, the offense looked a lot more like it looked in week 18. But over the year, they've developed more and more and kind of evolved. And, and that includes throwing over the middle more. And we didn't really see much of that. Now, you could kind of explain it away because we talked about Roquan and all the ability he brings. He's now there. And also you have Marcus Williams, who is back from injury. So maybe they're a little concerned about that, but I definitely think you'll see more threatening of the middle of the field this uh, week, and it's something to keep an eye on. And this this is just my speculation. I think some of that was intentional uh, to help Joe Burrow. Um, for example, uh, there weren't the the Bengals in the second half of the season. You're right have have changed the offense a bit. Uh, I felt like there just wasn't a lot of pre snap motion, um, and you know pre snap motion's good to help Burrow and any quarterback just kind of keep track of what the defense is doing. And I felt like they didn't do a lot of pre-snap motion this game so that Burrow could try and get a read on what the coverage is uh, without any clues. And also just to keep the offense simple. So, you know, just it it wasn't a game that they were going to, you know, obviously go all out on. It was closer than they wanted to be, but I think it was just keeping it simple to not give, not give you guys the Ravens a whole lot of looks, but to, you know, train Joe Burrow on, you know, you might not get a clue. Here's what, here's what we're going to see. Cause you, you left the defensive starters out there, right? Pretty much the whole time. We did. And I think that was kind of get a feel for the game. I think while the offense kind of dictates their terms and to a little bit of an extent and you know, they're going to, I think they're going to try a lot of different things in this game. That's my hunch. I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at it and hope to see another day. Um, <laughs> so that, uh, that in that perspective, they could kind of hold back the offense a little bit, but from the defense, I think they wanted to get a feel, just a feel for the team. Uh, it was the first time Roquan got, you know, a chance to play against them. And I think there's also <laughs> to be candid, there was a lot of like older guys that have incentive based contracts that were on the precipice of, of good things. Um, Houston, for instance, thought he got that sack that he needed to get another $500,000. And unfortunately it was, uh, a half sack credited to Owe, so I think Owe owes him some. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Calais, of course, in his um, tremendous career, he had ninety nine and uh, sacks, and he was looking to get that hundred. Uh, you know, this is indeed his last go. So, 
yeah, I think that that plus Roquan plus the fact that you can always hit so many people. They just chose, let's hit our offense. Our offense is the most vulnerable right now. It can barely do anything anyways, while our defense actually has great depth. And it, honestly, if any one of our one stars went down, except for maybe like Marlowe, I feel like we have a really good replacement and like they're not obviously as good because they're not starting and like there's a reason for that, but they have good replacements. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I think you bring up a great point, Justin, of just uh, maybe some of the things that kind of left on the field in, in terms of like, you know, it's more of a strategic decisions of, of you know, we're going to run the offense this way to, you know, because of next week, we're probably going to play you guys anyway. Um Definitely think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do, I do like that we're gonna have uh, a couple guys back. I think, um, I think Marcus Peters, I think will be a big addition. You're right though, Alec, about Stevens as well. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It, I guess in my head, I'd probably leave him out. Uh, if he is able to play, I think that would be great. Uh, would definitely help with their corner depth. Um, definitely agreed. I, you know, we're we're gonna need it for this matchup. But you know, if the Bengals want to throw it a little bit more over the middle, like if I'm the Ravens, like okay, like let them do that. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, in the last matchup, I think, um, I think Queen made a pretty good play. I think on that, uh, little short pass over the middle to, um, to chase and was able to get in front of that for an interception. Um, you know, we've seen what Rokon can do as well. He's at a, uh, one or two interceptions, I think of, of making plays there. And, uh, yeah, I would love to have Marcus Williams, uh, get his hands on a couple balls. I think, um, you know, we missed him a little bit for when he was injured and he came back. He hasn't been uh, sort of the same guy that we've seen in the beginning of the season. So, if I'm the Ravens, like I'm looking forward to that challenge. I mean, I think they've got guys that could do it. I just, you know, I think that they're uh, they're due for some big plays. So uh, if Burrow wants to challenge him a little bit more and uh, open things up, like have at it. It's also an area where the Ravens can have some confidence going in this game. We're talking about okay, the lack of I don't want to say confidence, but the lack of clear picture on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going to guess that Alec included this uh, chart in here, and it kind of portrays well what I was able to find too looking back on it Joe Burrow's relative to what he's done for the rest of the year really hasn't had his worst games this year have come against the AFC North um, obviously there was the game at Cleveland on on Halloween night uh, week one against Pittsburgh and uh, you know honestly these past two games against the Ravens uh, not his best either again second game like we said take that with a grain of salt because of of the circumstances of that one but um yeah chris uh, brings up a great point with with how the ravens are able to defend the middle of the field with burrow in that first game and patrick queen's uh interception there um if the ravens can keep this game close i think that they're that some people might be surprised what the, this defense is able to do uh to make this a little more of a game uh than could be expected now of course are the Bengals completely capable of going out there and and scoring you know 28 33 points on this Ravens defense like the Jaguars did uh back you know six weeks ago or whatever yeah I could see that happening too but at the same time I do think that the Ravens have a lot of playmakers that match up well with this offense and uh, if if they come to play like they did in in the playoffs in 2020 uh that could make this game a lot more interesting than I think a lot of uh, the NFL pundits are are giving the Ravens credit for right now, which is basically everyone just writing this game off as as a Bengals win by multiple scores already. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not writing enough, not at all. I'll I'll write off the Dolphins. Yeah, I'll write that one off, but not not this one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, hey, that's that's a good parallel though. In 2020. Um, Ravens definitely came into that playoff game against the Titans. They came in pissed off and just, you know, hey, we let that game up last year. You know, we got to, um, <laughs> we got to, you know, play right. to win this game. And they played hard that whole game. It was a close one, too. Um, just a couple of plays honestly sealed the game. And obviously, the interception at the end to kind of win it. Um, defense stepped up there. There is a, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, hey, I, I told the guys, uh, you know, Alec Peter, you guys came over to my place. We watched the game last time, and I remember telling Alec at the beginning, I was like, if there's any path for the Ravens to win, this is like the Thanos snap of like Doctor Strange coming to everybody and being <laughs> like, this is the one timeline. The timeline is, is that the Ravens lose this game, but they find a way, it gives them the motivation to be able to come back and somehow win the game next week. And, you know, I, 
I still believe it. Like there could be a path here, and I think for sure the defense is probably going to have to make that play. And I, I 100% believe that Hardbaugh can outcoach Zach Taylor. If it comes down to a close game that's going to be decided by a field goal, it's you know I think Hardbaugh can pull it off. So speaking of coaching, um, Justin, I'm curious your take on this because we were noting it uh, throughout the game. We were watching it last week. Um, we were surprised how much the Bengals played their starters, um, particularly late in the game. I, I think we were, we were half expecting that Burrow and company would be, you know, in street clothes for the second half and certainly by the fourth quarter. But um, uh, you continue to keep him out there, which, um, you know, you could make cases for or against that. Uh, what are your take on that? And do you think it has any bearing uh, on this weekend's game? Yeah, I, I think they left the starters out there a little too long, um, at least a quarter longer than I would have. And it ended up with um, uh, the the right guard going down with an injury, Alex Kappa. Um, he, they, they've been kind of quiet on what the injury actually is, uh, other than it's just his ankle and he's day-to-day. It looked really bad in the replay. I, I really thought he had, he messed up his knee, but it's just his ankle. So there's, you know, there's obvious, that was the number one concern anyway with leaving starters in with someone who would get hurt. Uh, so not great that it was the offensive line. I would have, like I said, I would have pulled them earlier, but the coin flip thing made it really, I think if the coin flip had not been on the table, I think they would have pulled the starters earlier, but it was, mm. it, or I, I thought they should have done the coin flip before the game. And been like, okay, yes. <laughs> so if, if you win, it, you know, if you lose, you're still fine and you can know, you know, something, but it's the saying that I hate, but it is what it is. Like they had to leave the starters in longer than they wanted to, longer than I would have liked, but longer, definitely longer than they wanted to. And someone was going to get hurt, but I don't think they gave away too much. I don't think the injury is going to have a huge impact um, uh, on the way the game plays out, but. It could have gone better, obviously. Well, I will say on that right-hand side, we saw line up for many snaps, not just one. The man, the myth, the maybe legend <laughs> of David Ojabo. Much talked about, and I will say, David Ojabo, you have my attention. I love what I saw out of that young man, and he might be all right. <laughs> like He might be a really good pick. So I'm just really glad that he played, and I really hope that he was still ramping up this whole time and we had no reason to be missing that kind of action for weeks and weeks and weeks for reasons unknown and i just hope that he did enough to impress the coaches and get a starting uh not starting but just an activation this week and be a part of this um playoff ride i thought the bend the spins the speed the knack for the ball that he showed all through college was all there on display and the guy made a huge impact i think he's one of the big reasons the game was close yeah uh and um yeah going back again had the turnover which you always love to see uh particularly when you're trotting out an offense that is trying to get as good a field position in a cheap way as possible uh but yeah i mean you know i i get the, the frustration that everyone's had with ojabo i've taken a different approach all year which is just basically like just whatever we get from him this year is a bonus. I'm not really expecting anything from him until next year, you know, coming off from that Achilles injury from his pro day. But Hey, if he can come in here and, and, uh, spell the, the vet guys like Houston and, and Pierre Paul, uh, and, and take some pressure off of Bowser, who's been getting double teamed a lot as of late. It's kind of why he's, he's been a little quieter in the stat department, um, over the past few weeks. Uh, that's another thing that can really help this team. Uh, you know, so we'll see. I, it's it, it's certainly intriguing. Um, I I don't know if that was just like, hey, it's it's week seventeen. We're gonna or week week eighteen now, and we're trying to rest players if we can. So of course we're gonna give this guy a look, and there, he's just gonna be back on the shelf this week, or if there there was actually a, a test run to see if he's ready to go in the playoffs, but. Um, either way, I think there's certainly reason to be intrigued uh, by his for his NFL future. Uh, we'll just see how much of that um, includes uh, this playoff run this year. I think a nice way to maybe kind of go towards the end of the episode would be to discuss maybe our biggest fears about uh, the team, you know, our team or you know each other's side, uh, and then our our biggest like um, 
things for hope. Like what, what we kind of like that we have going forward. The, what, uh, the thing, what, what thing makes us happy? Um, I'm, I'm willing to start. <laughs> well, talking about one of those things from our side, uh, will make the episode considerably shorter than the other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like, I, I'm not even going to talk about the Lamar situation. My biggest fear is actually that Stanley hasn't looked quite like himself uh, the last couple of weeks. And this is a defense that is no joke. And I think we don't give enough props to necessarily uh, when we kind of reviewed the game is that this defense, many consider it to be better than our defense. And we think our defense is quite good. And they definitely have playmakers up and down. You know, I think Stanley needs to get back to form and, We'll see uh, from the practice report. You know, he didn't practice um, on Wednesday, but those his normal rest. So hopefully he'll be all right and able to have a few tricks up his sleeve as well. Maybe he was also trying to get a feel for things and, and, and save things. Who knows? But uh, I definitely want to see Stanley play better this week. I think that's important for the Ravens long-term and also just for this game. Uh, the bright spot is that I think the Ravens were built to beat the Bengals. I think the way that we've done our roster construction is to slow down the Bengals. And I think it's no coincidence that Burroughs EPA uh, per dropback is lowest when he plays us. He's had lower points, but if you take like the totals, it's lowest against us. And I think that's intentional. Um, that's just because our defense is good, but I think it's like specifically built for this task. I, I love our defense. I think they can make things swing our way. And um, I think that's our biggest weapon right now. Yeah, great points. Um, I'll try and keep mine quick. I think my biggest concern, my biggest concern is also the biggest thing that gives me hope. And that is uh, this secondary. I am concerned that the Bengals will pick on Marcus Peters and he'll, he'll make a gaff or two that will cost the Ravens in what I'm expecting will be a close game. That being said, the fact that Marcus Peters is going to be in this game is also the thing that gives me hope because if he's there and he's solid, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Burrow to to throw on this secondary. And if the Ravens can take Burrow out of this game, then all of a sudden you've you know you've got two teams who basically are playing with uh, unideal play from their quarterback position, and that would really level the playing field in this game. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that Marcus Peters is a, a huge X factor, a huge wild card in this matchup, and how he responds to this latest injury is is going to have huge impacts on this matchup. Yeah, both really good points. I'll uh, just round mine out, and then we can have you go, Justin. But uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest concern for me, I think, is probably just going to be um, kind of similar to what you said, Peter, just the the secondary. I think um, I mean, you can just mention the defense as a whole of – how well were they going to play um, week two against uh, against the Cincinnati offense that we were just talking about? Maybe a little bit limited. Um, you know, I think they play solid. They play like they did last week. I think there's a chance, but if this game gets out of hand, we're just not built to be able to come back. Um, even with Lamar, I think I would probably question it a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's it. The thing that gives me hope, though, I think we got to lean on. I think we got to lean on the tight ends um, as much as I think the running game is going to be there. But I do think. We've seen the last couple of weeks. I just think the running game isn't helping us score touchdowns. I think the tight ends. I think you got to target. You got to target Andrews. You got to target Likely. Um, lean on them. Uh, they're going to be the uh, the drivers. I think of this offense. Would really like to see a huge game from Andrews. Just kind of have him take over. I think that would make the difference for me. Uh, so my my biggest fear, um, you know, is that the good old bungles come back. Obviously. <laughs> Um, it, specifically, uh, Zach Taylor, he's, you know, this is his fourth year. He's, you know, it was his first job ever as a head coach. He's learning a lot. And one example is back in the chiefs game, they were fourth and one on the goal line. And Zach Taylor tries to do the chiefs tight end shovel pass. Like they do to Travis Kelsey, where he comes running across the line and they flip it forward to him. Well, what ended up happening was Lael Collins went the wrong way. The left guard pulled too soon and collided with a wide receiver. It was a disaster. It looked like they maybe ran it a couple times in practice. And we're like, okay, guys, let's we'll try it again in the game and see what happens. And it's like if you're fourth and one, you know, there's there's a time for gadget plays and a time when you just say, we can beat you for a yard. And 
Zach Taylor, it, it hasn't been a lot this season. The, the, the one I, the, the example I gave was the most egregious, but there's times when he'll be like, Oh, you know what? I think if we try this really tricky thing, we can do, we can get a yard better than if we just go for it. So my biggest fear is he puts the game on the line and does something silly like that. That's just not advised. And he's just trying to be cute with it for lack of a better word. Um, so so uh, that's, that's my fear. Uh, my, my big feeling of hope is the eight game win streak. Um, you know, the streak in and of itself doesn't really matter, but eight games is a franchise record and it just shows like a consistent rhythm, a consistent meshing of the team, a good confidence. And, and so it's just a good feeling going into the game, both for fans and players that you've got something figured out. Um, not all of the wins have been clean. I mean, sure, there was going up 35 nothing on the Panthers, but there was also coming back down by 17 against the Bucks. So there's just a feeling of confidence that, that goes across everyone that we'll figure it out. You know, if Zach Taylor does one dumb thing, we'll figure it out. If he does two, maybe. But, but that's, that's the <laughs> hopeful feeling is just the team in general, an unquantifiable teamwork that, that gives a good feeling compared to past years. Um, I, I guess I could point out last year, the big worry was the, the Bengals playoff streak. They hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years. I was, I was seven when they won the last one. And then, you know, I'm finally 37. They win another one. And so that was like the, oh, no, what are we going to do? And there was so much pressure on it. This year, there's not so much pressure. Yeah, it would suck to lose the wild card game, but there's not like 30 years of history like bearing down on you. So that's that kind of goes with the, the win streak. It's just a nice feeling. I think with that, maybe we should go into our bold and score predictions. Peter, do you mind leaning off? Because you have some history to talk about. <laughs> oh, do I? Well, uh, so yeah, it, it was it was interesting history until it wasn't. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did find... So for, for viewers um, who, ha- who haven't... Uh, you know, you guys will note that I didn't tweet out the facts because I did some more research and became a lot less interesting. But oh. um, so obviously the Bengals, like Justin said, are on an eight game win streak. And, um, you know, the Ravens have had several matchups in playoff history where they've taken on a team that was either on an eight game win streak or I also looked at seven and one because, you know, who knows if you guys would have won the Bills game or not. I thought you were going to win. Uh, Alec and Chris thought you guys would lose, um, but we'll never know uh, for obvious reasons. And initially, my research was showing that the Ravens, in in seven such matchups in history, had only one loss uh, when playing a team with uh, a record of at least seven and one in the back half of their games going into the year. But then I did some more research. I was like, oh, wait a second. They lost to the Steelers in 2001. The Steelers rate now. Oh, wait a second here. There's a, a loss there to the Colts in 2009. They were seven and one. It, so actually, it's it's much more... It's slightly over 500 in this section for the Ravens, but uh, not quite as dominant as I originally thought. Boy, that sounds like a coin flip. It, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, and I hate to say it, I'm not predicting the Ravens to win this game. I do think it's going to be close. I think the defense is going to come ready to play. I just think that this this game is going to come down to an one of the two offenses having to make a play uh, at the end of the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, for reasons that that really I don't think anyone in, in who's followed the Ravens have really been able to pin down exactly why. Uh, almost every game this season, the Ravens' defense, as dominant as it's been, uh, has struggled to shut offenses down uh, in the fourth quarter, and I just can't see that just magically ending um, this game. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Bengals to win 17-13, to 13, but my bold prediction will be that um, Huntley is is actually going to com- to. We're finally going to see the Demarcus Robinson play that we saw at the beginning of the preseason, uh, and and Huntley will have a fifty plus yard uh, touchdown completion to Demarcus Robinson because the Bengals are just not going to be expecting that. No one's going to be expecting that. That'll give the Ravens fans some hope in the first half, but I think the second half is going to be tough sledding for the Ravens. Unfortunately, I'll go ahead and give mine too. Um, yeah, I've been. I've been back and forth on this. I I feel like if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, I you know, my prevalent opinion I think was basically just that the Ravens are gonna make the wild card and 
and that's going to be it. Lamar's probably not going to come back. And, you know, I, I don't want to say you told me show, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to hope just like everybody else that Lamar's going to come back and things are going to try to get better. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of agree with you, Peter. I, I, I'm not like, I, I could see maybe a path where the Ravens win, but it would be a shocker and quite frankly, a big surprise. I think for me, um, one, I would be certainly glad to see, but, um, I'm kind of bracing myself maybe for a loss and kind of, uh, onto the off season pods. So, um, I'm going to say they lose this one too. Um, I'm going to say 24, 24, 20, maybe, um, Bengals. And I guess my bold prediction is going to be that I do think, uh, Huntley is going to be able to, um, lead the Ravens on a, um, you know, fourth quarter drive to be up. But I do agree. I think um, I think the Bengals are just going to find a way to to find that last score. Um, so you know, it might be something where he leads us to like a you know a drive in like 14 minutes in the fourth quarter or something. Maybe we go up, but then you know we sputter out, and then the Bengals are able to score again. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong, but that's uh, that's what I got. Well, I guess I can. I guess I can go leave the leave Alex to the end there. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, to to preface my my bold prediction and score prediction, I'm going to say that I I just don't uh, like divisional playoff games. Just the notion of playing a team three times in one year, it starts to feel like a baseball series of three games where sometimes the bad team just wins and it just happens, and and so it, it's like. <laughs> Anything can happen in a divisional playoff game, which I think it's a record. There are three divisional rematches in the playoffs this in the wild court round this year. I think that was a, a record in the Super Bowl era. But anyway, so, um, you know, it's just I, I like to, you know, I wanted to see the Bengals play someone new. It's just fun to play new teams. It, it, I, I worry it might get stale. And and so to that end, uh, I'm going to stick with my score and bold predictions because I was close last time. I picked 24-16, so I'm going to go with that again for the Bengals. Uh, so, you know, three points less, maybe someone misses a field goal. Uh, and then I'm going to go back to my bold prediction of Joe Burrow throws for 400 yards. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick with all that. <laughs> I'm going to go with a broken clock strategy. We'll see if I get one right uh, and, and go from there. I'm looking back at this sheet. I didn't realize this, but I actually also am taking the same score <laughs> prediction as last week. I said Bengals 17 to 13. And the week before, I said that the Ravens would beat the Steelers 17 to 13. And two weeks before that, I said the Ravens would win 17 to 13 over the Browns. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Man. I'm falling yeah. into Alex, uh, Alex yeah. Cadence. Yeah, right. My, uh, <laughs> my brain like is a very deterministic machine. Okay, so... I'm glad I was left for last because I have a little bit of a spiel. Oh, this was on purpose because I I, 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 we all know what's coming here. I don't. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> so I've been saying in the chat all week. The more and more I think about this game, the more and more dangerous I think the Ravens are. I think we're super duper dangerous, and no one's expecting it. And that's exactly where we want to be. We're the underdog. We have nothing to lose. We have no expectations. We got a backup quarterback. Maybe back up to the backup, going in there, competing. And uh, I think the expectations are heavy. You know, Cincinnati lost a, uh, the Super Bowl last year. You know, they're, they're always in the window when Joe Burrow is on the field. That's what I heard. So they got a lot of expectations on their shoulders, a lot to carry. And my, my bold prediction, if I can make it, it won't actually be my bold prediction, is that the Ravens might lose the battle, but they'll win the war. What does that mean? We're going to get a better draft pick if we win <laughs> or if we lose. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you guys aren't going to hoist the Lombardi. So <laughs> that's how we win the war. <laughs> but my actual bold prediction is that the Ravens offense will score two touchdowns this game. <laughs> that is a bold prediction. <laughs> how, how many by wide receivers do you think? <laughs> no comment. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is bold predictions, not, not insanity predictions. <laughs> and... I love the Ravens covering. The spread is currently nine and a half. I think like, I think we cover this. I can totally see how we like get blown out, by the way. I can see how it happens, but uh, I think we cover it in most, in most of my like, uh, you know, 
if I'm looking at uh, the Doctor Strange, like looking at all the scenarios, I think we covered almost all of them because nine and a half is a lot of points. Like, <laughs> and it's a divisional game, and we haven't lost by that much all season long. And I don't think it's going to end here. So here we go. Um, score prediction? Why not? I'm going to say the Ravens win. I'll be different. I'll, uh, what do you call it? You know, last week when we were doing the picks, you were just picking against. <laughs> uh jason i'll pick against here so my pick is gonna be the ravens in 20 two touchdowns two field goals to 16 one touchdown three field goals ben don't break and uh i hope i get to see that live in person i kind of just made the commitment that i'm actually gonna go so i've had the i've had the ticket booked for a long time the flight and uh i kind of decided uh through the last couple of days, I've been teetering back and forth that I'm actually going to execute on this plan and, and go out there and see a Ravens game. And we'll see if it's a victory or a loss. It's going to be really painful as a loss. I'm sure I'll get a lot of uh, comments, but uh, you know what? Why not? I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to do this again, uh, at least for quite some time. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go there, root my butt off of this team and hope for the best. Oh, you, you definitely should. I, I regret not going to the AFC championship game last year here in town because I was like, oh, tickets are 300 bucks. And then the Super Bowl comes and it's like, oh, tickets are 3000 bucks. 300 would have been a good deal. <laughs> Man, <laughs> dude, I wish the tickets were 300. Now, granted, there's some that are cheaper than that. And I, I would be not against them at all but uh the company i'm going with went better seats and it's gonna be a little bit more and i'm just like oh <laughs> the pain is real but you know what yeah. i got i got some airline miles and the flight's like kind of in bogus money so i'm just you know what i i can't think of a better way to spend 24 hours than rooting on my team and watching some football because <laughs> like we're gonna fly in sunday morning watch all the games watch the game in person and fly back Five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> on Monday morning. So uh, it's going to be less than twenty-four hours there, oh, but uh, should be good. I've I've only actually ever been to Cincinnati twice. Once once for a Bengals game and once for something else. It's nice that the stadium's downtown, so we stayed in a hotel like the Hilton right downtown, and I think it was the one where the Broncos stayed. And you just walk to the stadium, and you know it's funny like the night game is is kind of why like if it wasn't sunday night i don't know if i would have done it because it's just nice to know like there's three games that day i can watch them all um you can fly in same day fly out like shortly thereafter just like kind of kind of keeps it more like compact so to speak and uh i like that and yeah i just i don't know man like i said i don't know like the next time we'll be able to drop all responsibilities and just be like you know what i'm going to an away playoff game (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to to do some live podcast updates during the game i know i really should print yourself off a press badge and see if if they'll let you in (laughs) yeah Uh, i'll call in some favors (laughs) can i get to the podium with the podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll be great well i guess that wraps it up man this uh it was a great episode. We got to talk about exciting news about the Ravens' future with, with Roquan Smith. And we got to talk to Justin for the third time this year and break down this game, uh, both what happened last week and what we're hoping to see in a couple days. So thanks so much for listening and being a fan of the show. If you could leave a review, we'd love it. Uh, help more people find out the show. It's no better time to start listening to the show, honestly. Uh, we, we do it all year long. We're always uh, you know, keeping abreast of Ravens' news and talking about it and you know reach out too if you ever want to be on the show uh, because we definitely have a lot of topics we like to discuss in the off season uh, which hopefully won't be for several weeks but you know we'd love to have you on to hear what you have to say you can find us on twitter at one winning pod you can email us one winning pod at gmail.com and you can find us on youtube at one winning pod as well, well see you next week go ravens beat cincinnati